You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato, and today we are going to be going over the NFC and AFC North's drafts. Just a quick review on maybe the team's philosophy, who they selected, and the immediate impact they can have on the current roster. And we're going to start and kick this off with the Minnesota Vikings, who had a whopping 11 picks. So so in round one, they trade back and select offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, Christian Derisaw. And they didn't have any picks in round two, but they had four round three picks. Quarterback Kellen Mann out of Texas A&M, Chas Surratt, inside linebacker out of North Carolina, Wyatt Davis, offensive guard out of Ohio State, Patrick Jones, defensive end out of Pittsburgh. And then on day three, they add Kene Nwangu, Iowa State running back, who they selected over Kenneth Gainwell, which was interesting. Cam Bynum, California cornerback, Janoris Robinson, Florida State defensive end, Amir Smith-Marset, Iowa wide receiver, Zach Davidson, Central Missouri tight end, and then Jalen Twyman, Pittsburgh defensive tackle. And I think it was an interesting draft because I know the Minnesota Vikings were more than likely incredibly high on Elijah Vera Tucker, who they traded back with the New York Jets for two third-round picks. That's why they had so many third-round picks. And they allowed the Jets to scoop him up, but they still dropped down to pick 23, and they were able to select Christian Darisol. So they ended up getting an offensive tackle, and I think they probably look at their roster and view someone like Ezra Cleveland as somebody who they drafted as an offensive tackle out of Boise State last year in the second round, but now they can kick him inside to guard. Because I think about AVT man, Elijah Vera Tucker, and I do believe he would have been excellent for what Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak, their offensive coordinator, want to do here in Minnesota. A lot of stretch zone, a lot of inside zone, just a lot of zone own concepts in general and I think that's and I think Elijah Vera Tucker can fit in any system but I think that's where Elijah Vera Tucker could thrive and he's also really versatile you can play him at tackle if you ask him to despite his short arms and he can play inside at either guard position but they're able to get a possible left tackle of the future in Christian Darisol with the trade back adding the extra capital I think it ended up being a good outcome for the Minnesota Vikings so then they didn't have a second round pick And then you look at Kellen Mond, who quarterback out of Texas A&M. And I think this is really interesting as well because there's money tied up in Kirk Cousins, but he doesn't seem to be a long-term answer for the Minnesota Vikings. Can Kellen Mond be that? They made him the second pick in this draft class. So obviously they probably have a high grade on him. They could have traded up to possibly get Justin Fields with the New York Giants, but the New York Giants, I I doubt they were going to the Vikings, that is, give up a first-round pick just to move up a couple spots. They went in a different direction, and it looks like it may work out from the sense that they end up getting a good offensive tackle in Darisol, somebody I wish finished a little bit stronger because he just took some reps off, it seemed like, but somebody who I think Mike Zimmer can get that and coach that out of him because Mike Zimmer's a very demanding coach. But Kellen Mond, that's interesting, and then you get add inside linebacker depth with Surratt, help beef up your offensive line with Wyatt Davis, somebody who's recovering from some injuries but brings a lot of tenacity, a lot of zone experience there at Ohio State. And then you look at the trenches. 
They end up getting Patrick Jones. He's somebody who a lot of people were really high on, had a solid 2020, went down to the Senior Bowl, and didn't live up to his 2019 year. But he falls to the third round. That's solid value. And then Janarius Robinson, Florida State defensive end, and Jalen Twyman. You could tell if you just look at this draft with the two offensive linemen and those three trench players that the Vikings want to get stronger in the trenches. They were one of the worst rush defenses last year. And you add Twyman, who's a player that played well, but then tested really poorly. So you get him in the sixth round. That's actually a pretty solid pick. And this is what the Vikings like to do. They love to bank on day three on traits, on athletic ridiculous types of players like Janarius Robinson, who has all the physical traits and also all the athletic ability to thrive in the interior, but didn't put it all together at Florida State. They get him in the fourth round. Then you get Zach Davidson, somebody who was just dominant in 2019 as a tight end, a huge tight end prospect, six foot seven, 245 pounds, did not play in 2020 because of COVID and all of that. So you end up adding him. He's going to be a raw player, but still traits. Mir Smith-Marset, traits. That's what you're looking for. He has the burst, the explosiveness, the vertical ability, but he played in Iowa's offense and they're not necessarily a vertical downfield type of offense. They're much more conservative under Kirk and Brian Ferentz. So you end up getting him in the fifth round. And I honestly think Amir Smith-Marset can be a wide receiver who can look to operate out of the slot in 11 personnel and win that job over the likes of Chad Beebe and Ola B.C. Johnson, who are playing right now with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson as the other two. I also think Irv Smith is going to be a pretty solid tight end with Kyle Rudolph not there, but that's beside the point right now. I like this draft. I mean, this is a lot of players who can kind of step in and they can make an impact. I think Kene Nwangu is, they, they went, like I said, they selected him over Kenneth Gainwell, but they bring him into the fold. They have Alexander Madison where they drafted in the third round back in 2019. I'm not 100% sure how comfortable they are with him. It seems like he gets dinged up every time Dalvin Cook is dealing with an injury. So now you bring in this guy who can give you Definitely special teams value, but possibly could earn snaps if Madison doesn't rise to the occasion. So I think this was a solid overall draft for the Minnesota Vikings. So let's go to the Detroit Lions real fast. And the Detroit Lions, I mean, you have Dan Campbell, and you also want to look at their front office. They bring in Brad Holmes from the Los Angeles Rams, also bring in Agnew, and also John Dorsey. So you have a bunch of different types of personalities and people with a lot of NFL experience there to kind of help Dan Campbell, their newly hired head coach, run the show. They bring in Anthony Lynn to be their offensive coordinator, the former coach of the Chargers. You have Aaron Glenn, former defensive back in the NFL, as their defensive coordinator. And their draft goes as follows. They get Penne Sewell at seven, which is excellent. Levi Onzerike, defensive tackle from Washington. Aline McNeil, North Carolina State defensive tackle. Ifitu Melambanwu, Syracuse cornerback. Amon Ross, St. Brown, USC wide receiver. Now this starts the day three trends. Derek Barnes, fourth round pick. Inside linebacker, Purdue. And then Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round, the running back out of Oregon State. And I like this draft. I mean, let's be honest about the Detroit Lions. They have a lack of talent on their roster. There was a turnover here, and you have the crazy opening press conference with Dan Campbell talking about chewing on people's kneecaps and just wants to bring toughness, so you want to beef up the trenches there. You add Penny Suell, who can be your starting right tackle, I would say, with Taylor Decker still being on the left side, and he'll be groomed to be the long-term left tackle, Penny Suell, but that's an excellent addition right there. And then the defensive line, you bring in Michael Brockers, who Brad Holmes helped draft over there, Los Angeles. You have Trey Flowers still there, but then you draft Aleem McNeil and Levi Onzerike, and 
to be honest, Levi, he's a one-gap penetrator who can really thrive as a three technique. And I believe Aleem McNeil is somebody who you can also move around and kind of allow him to use his penetration skills because at North Carolina State, he was basically just a one tech and a nose, but he has that initial quickness and those heavy hands to get up field and put pressure on the quarterback. So you're able to get Onzerike and McNeil in the second and third round. And then with your last third round pick, you get Melon Fonwu. I feed to Melon Fonwu, Syracuse cornerback, big, long type of corner who can thrive in zones, cover three type concepts. And I feel even though he is big, he can have enough athletic ability or he does have enough athletic ability to operate with his hips and play man coverage. And obviously you have Jeff Okuda, who you drafted in the first round last year. You drafted Imani Oruwarie from Penn State in the fifth round back in 2019. He sees a lot of snaps, but I think Melon Fonu can kind of take over that role. And these are a bunch of interesting pieces. I think Derek Barnes, the Purdue kid, can definitely kind of step in and just bring the toughness that Dan Campbell is looking to instill on the defense. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, who could be the steal of this draft class in the fourth round right there. I mean, there's nobody to catch passes here on this team. You have Rashad Perriman, Terrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, who's a solid guy, but they got him in the fifth round last year. I look at a lot of these receivers and I think Amon Ross St. Brown could be you know a 70 to 80 catch type of guy in year one especially with this team trailing a lot so I think that could definitely be an interesting addition so I really like what the Lions were actually able to do here with their limited resources and just the fact that this roster is just not not great right now I think a lot of these guys can have uh, an impact early on for this team and help build a culture here. And even Jamar Jefferson, he didn't test all that well, but according to the GPS tracking, he was one of the fastest running backs in the draft coming out of Oregon State. I think that's a, a solid addition as well when you look at the Detroit Lions running back room right now. They brought in Jamal Williams, a physical back from Green Bay. They have DeAndre Swift, who they drafted in the second year last year. I think Jamar Jefferson could be that change of pace type of individual there for the Detroit Lions. So good work for the Lions. Uh, they're still going to be a bad football team more than likely this year. So let's move on to the Chicago Bears, the team that the Giants traded back to 20 with. They came up the 10 and selected Justin Fields, quarterback out of Ohio State. And then in the second round, they traded up to get Oklahoma State tackle Tevin Jenkins. And they didn't have a pick until the fifth round where they selected offensive tackle Larry Borum from Missouri. Sixth round, they go with Khalil Herbert, Virginia Tech running back. Daz Newsom, North Carolina wide receiver. And Thomas Graham Jr., Oregon cornerback. And then in the seventh round, they go with Kyrie Tonga, BYU defensive tackle. And for trading up, getting their potential franchise guy for the next 10 years and then landing Tevin Jenkins to help protect him. I think that was an excellent one-two punch and it's exactly what Chicago needed. So remember, Ryan Pace selected Mitchell Trubisky and then the next year in 2018, Matt Nagy came in to be that head coach. So Matt Nagy gets to pick his guy, somebody who's on the hot seat. Ryan Pace is on the hot seat and not a lot of general managers get two kicks at the can to select a quarterback for that franchise. Ryan Pace is on thin ice, but he's able to get Justin Fields here. And I think that is a great development for Chicago because Chicago just never has the quarterback. They just seem to never have the quarterback. They thought Trubisky was going to be the guy that did not work out. They bring in Andy Dolan. They still have Nick Foles on the roster. But by midseason, at least, if not in the beginning of the season, Justin Fields should be the starter. He's a very, very talented individual. And now he has Tevin Jenkins to protect him 
at left tackle along with the strong interior offensive line they have with James Daniels and Cody Whitehair and they kick Jermaine Ifedi in there to play right guard and then on the right side Larry Borm can compete with Elijah Wilkerson to be that right tackle I haven't necessarily watched much film on Missouri offensive line for Larry Borm so I don't know his skill set I don't want to speak on it because that would be disingenuous but I love what the Bears did in the sixth round with these two picks specifically Khalil Herbert running back out of Virginia Tech, and Thomas Graham, Oregon cornerback. I think Khalil Herbert, he's just somebody that has been a consistent player. He went down to the Senior Bowl and actually showed a lot of skills as a pass protector. He's about 5'10", 210 pounds. You have Tariq Cohen coming off of this serious injury. And then you have David Montgomery, the kid they drafted out of Iowa State a few years ago. They bring in Damian Williams, who opted out of the 2020 season. I think that running back room is actually pretty interesting now. David Montgomery really had a breakout year in 2020, especially down the stretch of the season. Bring Khalil Herbert. I think that was excellent value there in the sixth round. He's somebody that I had a higher grade on than Gary Brightwell, who the Giants drafted a few picks before Khalil Herbert. So I think that was a good get by the Bears. And then Thomas Graham, he's somebody, Pac-12, he doesn't have the biggest size, but he's a player that has a lot of production at the catch point, brings a high level of disruptiveness to the catch point. Went down to the senior bowl, thought he had a really good first practice and then had a really poor second and third practice and ends up sliding him down to late in day three. And I still think that he's somebody who can step into the Bears roster on defense and possibly earn snaps. He can be kicked into the slot if needs be, but he probably won't start super early on. And then Tonga is just a rotational defensive lineman, has solid lateral quickness but there's a lot of depth here on this defense with Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, Mario Edwards, Eddie Goldman. You have guys like Angelo Blackson down there. I think eventually Tonga could earn some snaps there but again later down the road. Overall I look at the Bears draft the fact that they were able to get the quarterback and the left tackle was huge but other than that these are all a bunch of day three kicks at the can doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be excellent you know they need some development but I think the Khalil Herbert and the Graham selections are specifically pretty solid gets by Ryan Pace now let's go to the Green Bay Packers now the Green Bay Packers are they're an interesting team now we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starter this year seems like every day there's worse news and Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff Nathaniel Hackett who's the OC they're basically pleading Brian Gutekunst their general manager they're pleading they want Aaron Rodgers back but Aaron Rodgers he seems like he doesn't necessarily want to be there because he seemed slighted by that Jordan Love selection when they traded up to get him in the 2020 draft and Aaron Rodgers goes and has his MVP season and he's still playing at a high level despite the fact that he's 37 years old this draft class at least they actually finally added a wide receiver but in the first round they select Eric Stokes at pick 29 Georgia cornerback second round Josh Myers Ohio State center to replace Corey Lindsley who is now on the Chargers in the third round they go with Amari Rogers Clemson wide receiver the son of T Martin the quarterback who helped Tennessee win the national title not Peyton Manning then in the fourth round, they go with Royce Newman, Ole Miss offensive guard. Fifth round, Tadaryl Slayton, Florida defensive tackle. Shamar Jones-Charles, 
Appalachian State cornerback in the sixth round, Cole Van Lennon, Wisconsin offensive tackle, kind of keep him home. Isaiah McDuffie, Boston College inside linebacker. And in the seventh round, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State, the running back who Mike Leach came down there and stilled his offense, did not mesh well with Kylan Hill, and he just fell down boards, didn't have the best senior bowl either. So, I think Stokes has all the athletic traits. The transitions are good. I don't believe he has the best ball skills or anticipation on routes. Not my favorite cup of tea, especially not in the first round. I thought it was a little bit of a reach, but the Packers are looking to add that cornerback to pair with Jair Alexander, who's one of the top three cornerbacks in the league, to kind of thrive next or thrive within Joe Barry's system at corner. They bring in Kevin King, who a lot of people remember for being torched in the playoffs this past year, but they signed him to a one-year deal. He might end up starting if Stokes isn't quite there yet, but the Packers love to bank on upside. They love to bank on athletic ability, and they get that with Eric Stokes. They also get that in Amari Rodgers, but it's kind of weird because I feel like the Packers always look for a prototype at wide receiver, somebody who's above six foot one, somebody who's very, very fast. That is not Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers is more of that Randall Cobb type of ilk, about five foot ten, stout, 210 pounds, you know, very thick contact balance, can be used in a variety of different ways, is good in the slot, hasn't had shown his ability as a running back out of the backfield in the senior bowl and was operated that way at his pro day as well. And I think he could be an interesting player to for this Nathaniel Hackett offense for Aaron Rodgers if he does decide to come there because he's a totally different type of player than a Devontae Adams who's a stud but then you got Alan Lazard who's a biscuit away from being a tight end just a big bodied guy Mark West Valdez Scantling big bodied guy with speed Equinemius St. Brown big bodied guy with speed and now you have Amari Rodgers to be that shiftier guy in space with contact balance who runs low who can also receive handoffs I think that's a good value for an Amari Rodgers in the third round and I also hear his character is through the roof. So that's pretty cool. You have an A. Rodgers coming in. You have an A. Rodgers possibly going out. But I know the Packers fans probably don't like that too much. But a versatile guy. Same with Royce Newman, another versatile guy. Played offensive line at Ole Miss. Played each tackle position, both guard positions. You can kind of move him around wherever you want to put him. So I think that's just a good depth piece for this Packers offensive line that has just lost Corey Lindsley. And I know they drafted Myers out of Ohio State. He might look to earn snaps eventually because right now looking at the depth chart of the Green Bay Packers you have David Bakhtiari who's coming off of the injury you kick John Runyon inside to play left guard Elgin Jenkins is one of the best interior offensive linemen young interior offensive linemen in the game Lucas Patrick and I believe Royce Newman could compete to be that right guard and then Billy Turner on the right tackle side I'm wondering if Newman or Cole Van Lennon can compete for the right tackle spot I also think Cole Van Lennon could be kicked inside and possibly compete with Lucas Patrick as well but the offensive line that's going to be uh they added picks there but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate to an effective offensive line quite yet I mean we all know that the Packers offensive line is typically really really good but without Bakhtiari last year you could tell that they suffered somewhat so it's interesting with the Green Bay Packers I'm very interested to see what's going to end up happening with them because you don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers but to go back to the draft I think Van Lennon's a good six-round addition somebody who can play guard, possibly play tackle. Obviously, he went to the University of Wisconsin, so 
They keep him close to home, bringing him to Green Bay. And then in the fifth round, the Tadaro Slayton selection. I think that's somebody with a lot of upside. They were able to get him in the fifth round there. And he's somebody who could earn snaps behind Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry because he's just a mountain of a man. A lot of people at that Florida program thought that he was going to be a player that can really step up in 2020 and solidify himself as maybe a high day two pick and none of that happens. So I think there's a lot of upside with somebody like to Daryl Slayton. But overall, the Green Bay draft, I don't love it. I think Eric Stokes is a little bit of a reach, but they love their athletic ability. They love somebody who can play multiple different types of coverages, somebody who can play zone, somebody who can play man coverage, which is what they're probably going to be doing there with Joe Barry. So I understand it, but I think there are just better players and better value there at the 29th pick. And then some of these other selections I haven't watched enough film on to give an accurate portrayal of who they are, specifically Shamar, Gene, Charles, and Isaiah McDuffie. So that is the NFC North. Now, before we get into the AFC North, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Ravens had two first-round picks, and they added to both sides of the football. Let's kick off their draft right here. They went with Rashad Bateman at pick 27, Minnesota wide receiver. And then at pick 31, they go with Adafi Owa, Penn State outside linebacker defensive end, formerly known as Jason. And then they did not have a second-round pick, but they had two third-round picks, and they go Ben Cleveland, a perfect pick for this Baltimore Ravens smash mouth exotic pulling type of guards just want to have huge individuals on the offensive line to move bodies that's Ben Cleveland the offensive guard out of Georgia and then Brandon Stevens the SMU cornerback and then with day three picks some names that a lot of people may know Tylen Wallace Oklahoma State wide receiver Sean Wade Ohio State cornerback Daylon Hayes Notre Dame defensive end and then Ben Mason the Michigan fullback to round out the fifth round. They did not have a sixth or seventh round pick. And I think Bateman is going to significantly help Lamar Jackson because he's somebody who runs precise routes. And outside the number throwing has not been something that Lamar Jackson has really done well in the NFL. And I think Bateman, his route running and his ability to stay within the structure of the play and be where he's supposed to be with good timing, his reliable hands, his ability to release off the line of scrimmage, all of those things are going to benefit Lamar Jackson. That was an excellent draft pick by the Baltimore Ravens. He fell to this pick and they were able to select him. And I think that just is going to work out well for Bateman. You would hope as well as long as the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, who is known for his 
diversity in the run game, but not as much for his passing coordinator. As long as he can ensure that Bateman is used to his fullest potential, Bateman is a totally different type of wide receiver than Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, Miles Boykin, James Prochet, Devin Duvernay. I think the Bateman and Tylen Wallace, who they end up getting in the fourth round, could be two guys who we're looking at towards the end of the season as players who are getting significant snaps. Bateman, that's obvious. Tylen Wallace, not as much. Tylen Wallace came off the ACL injury in 2019, had a solid season in 2020. He's a deep threat with excellent ball skills and is good in contested catch situation despite being sub six foot. I think Tylen Wallace is going to be seeing the field this year, and I think that was another great get by the Baltimore Ravens, along with Rashad Bateman. And then Owa, Penn State, outside linebacker. I mean, he couldn't have went to a better place than a Wink Martindale coach team who's going to utilize his skill set and his freak athletic ability and all the upside that he has and all that potential and put him into the perfect position, blitzing on those stunts and twists with this aggressive defense. I think the coaching that he's going to get with the Baltimore Ravens is perfect for him, and he's just scratching his surface. He didn't have any sacks in 2020, and everybody wanted to bring that up, but him going to Pittsburgh, that's scary for the rest of the AFC North, so good job on them to land him as I said Ben Cleveland that's the most just Baltimore Ravens type of pick you can think of as a 340 plus pound six foot six guard operating in this system that is very very power gap oriented now Brandon Stevens I haven't done a lot of film on but they just want to add more depth to their secondary he's a six foot 213 pound kid long arms and that's kind of what you're looking for good against the run so I'm imagining that's what he that's what they envision in these cornerbacks because they also brought in Sean Wade from Ohio State a former everybody thought top 10 pick and then he had a horrendous 2020 but he's somebody who's really really physical he's sub 200 pounds but he comes downhill and he sticks people in the run and if you look at the Baltimore Ravens they have a very very deep secondary with Marcus Peters Jimmy Smith Marlon Humphrey so Wade's not gonna have to be relied on but coaches are going to have to kind of dive in to figure out why he struggled so much in 2020 why he kind of fell off the map during that season see if they can kind of recapture the solid tape that he showed in previous years at Ohio State and I also really like Dalen Hayes somebody who can play the run somebody who has heavy heavy hands and somebody who has a lot of pass rushing ability got him in the fifth round six foot four 253 pounds can convert speed to power like I said, has some flexibility, is good against the run. So I love that. And Ben Mason, I mean, they have Patrick Ricard on this roster, so they just add another fullback. And I think that's just a, a Baltimore Ravens type of selection, an AFC North type of selection. So I think it was just an interesting draft overall for John Harbaugh and this crew, this coaching staff, this general manager in Eric DaCosta, who's now a few drafts in since Ozzie Newsom retired. But moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals, who, I mean, there was a lot of talk. Are they going to go with Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell? Do you go with the receiver or do you go with the offensive tackle? They ended up going with the receiver. So let's go through their draft real quick. Jamar Chase was the fifth selection in the draft, wide receiver out of LSU. Jackson Carmen in the second round, Clemson offensive lineman. Joseph Asai in the third round, Texas defensive end. And then they have three fourth round picks. Cameron Sample, Tulane defensive end. Tyler Shelvin, LSU defensive tackle. Deontay Smith, East Carolina offensive tackle. One fifth round pick, Evan McPherson, Florida kicker. Two sixth round picks, Trey Hill, Georgia center. Chris Evans, Michigan running back. And then a seventh round pick, Wyatt Huber, Kansas State deep to the end. And they just wanted to address 
their trenches and get tougher in the trenches. You do that by adding a Jackson Carmen. You do that by adding a Tyler Shelvin in the fourth round, somebody who has struggled with his weight, but definitely somebody that can hold the point of attack, can two-gap, and just command the A-gaps as a nose or a one-technique. Cam Sample, somebody who a lot of people call edge, defensive end, but he's a true five-technique with heavy hands and good penetration ability. Deontay Smith, a good upside developmental tackle out of East Carolina. Trey Hill, the kid from Georgia. They really, really went after the trenches. And then Wyatt Hubert, who was a Kansas State guy, short, short arms, hustle type of guy, gets those hustle sacks. Somebody that seventh round is probably not going to see the field, but can be a special teams guy for you. And then Joseph Asai in the third round, that defensive end, is he going to play a linebacker off ball? Is he going to be an edge? I don't necessarily know if he's going to step in and start for the Cincinnati Bengals with Lou Anarumo, former New York Giants secondaries coach, as the defensive coordinator now and they brought in Trey Hendrickson they still have Sam Hubbard you have Cam Sample so it's uh interesting to see how they're going to rotate a lot of this defensive front especially when they brought in DJ Reader last year to play nose tackle I think Tyler Shelvin could possibly win that job if Reader struggles they drafted Hakeem Davis Gaither last year a good second level defender Logan Wilson a really really good linebacker for them they still have Jermaine Pratt on their roster looks like he may be a starting linebacker in a 4-3 type of defense but I think Joseph Asai can come in. He could be that pass rusher on third down and kind of allow him to pin his ears back as he develops more consistency as a pass rusher. But overall, man, you look at this draft, and I mean, I'll bring up Jamar Chase before I guess I go over the overall thing. I think adding Jamar Chase with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd, and you think about what Joe Burrow did in college while he was at LSU, there might be a lot more spread concepts here. You might see a lot more wide two by two three by two sets with Joe Burrow operating out of the gun and just have him get the football out of his hands quickly to playmakers like Jamar Chase who can win at the line of scrimmage who can win at all three levels of the field who are just a dynamic playmaker then you have that prototypical X and T Higgins you have Tyler Boyd who's excellent out of the slot they like using Auden Tate who's a good red zone threat as well and you bring in Trent Taylor or somebody else if something happens to one of these other slot receivers who can step in there and be a solid slot option but I mean, you're looking at a lot of probably 11-plus personnel. So 11 personnel, 10 personnel, sometimes five wide type of formations here. And then they're going to obviously try to also get Joe Mixon involved in the passing game. But you want to make sure that Joe Burrow is safe here. That's going to be paramount. You brought in Riley Reef, who's going to play right tackle for you. Still have left tackle Jonah Williams. The interior part of your offensive line can be upgraded. I think Jackson Carmen can step up. He played tackle at Clemson, but he's more of a guard. I think he could definitely step up and play guard and probably start over either Spain or Jordan. Jordan, I think, played solidly last year. Spain, somebody at right guard. I think Carmen could possibly end up starting at that position. And then I think Deontay Smith is a perfect developmental tackle to kind of learn behind Riley Reef and could possibly start in the next coming years. So overall, I look at this draft, there's a lot of selections here. And I think some of these guys can end up being impact players in year one and possibly help this Bengals team be a little bit more respectable. They're not quite a playoff team yet. And Zach Taylor's definitely on the hot seat. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to see the all these draft picks develop and while he's still being this head coach. But he was able to get another wide receiver. He obviously wanted T. Higgins last year. He gets Jamar Chase. So he has the weapons now to try to make this offense work. But can that protection hold up? That's going to be something that's going to be debated. Did the Bengals make the right choice by selecting Chase over Sewell. I guess they view Riley Reef as somebody who can start and who still plays at a high enough level to keep 
Joe Burrow up right now. Anything could be better than Bobby Hart <laughs> is what I say, but I still think it's a very, very interesting thing that we're going to be looking back in a couple of years. So I love the chase pick. I think Osai is interesting in the third round. Cam Sample, Tyler Shelvin, Deontay Smith, all good picks in my book. And Chris Evans is an interesting running back who had his troubles at Michigan, didn't see the field as much as one would expect. But in the sixth round, that's solid, especially with the durability issues that Joe Mixon has struggled with. So let's move on to Cleveland Browns. And this was one of my favorite drafts consensus. I feel like a lot of people feel like this was one of their favorite drafts. So in the first round, I picked 26. They go with Greg Newsom, cornerback at a Northwestern. Second round, they trade up for Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who ended up falling, the inside linebacker from Notre Dame, but he really plays a bunch of different positions. Third round, Anthony Schwartz, Auburn wide receiver. Fourth round, day three, James Hudson, Cincinnati offensive tackle. Tommy Togiai, Ohio State defensive tackle. And then in the fifth round, Tony Fields, the second, the West Virginia linebacker, Richard LeConte, Georgia safety, and then Demetric Felton, the wide receiver slash running back from UCLA in the sixth round. And literally getting someone like Greg Newsom was just excellent at pick 26. And that was their Achilles heel last year. Denzel Ward has been dinged up a lot, but when he's on the field, he's excellent. You have Joe Woods as your defensive coordinator, and you need to shore up that secondary because, like I said, the secondary has been injured a lot. Greedy Williams struggles to stay on the field. Denzel Ward has been dealing with his injuries. Grant Delpit, the safety they drafted in the second round at LSU, missed the majority of the season. But you bring in John Johnson, who's excellent coming down in the alley. You still have Ronnie Harrison as well. I think you add Greg Newsom and you just add just a perfect pairing with Denzel Ward to give yourself and your defense a one-two punch as players who can execute every type of coverage, who are nuisances at the catch point, who are incredibly fluid, and who should not be liabilities at the line of scrimmage with their skills, with their feet, and their hands in press. So I really love the addition of Greg Newsom. You also brought in Troy Hill to be your nickelback this year, kid from the Los Angeles Rams. I think that was just an excellent addition getting Newsom, though. You trade up to get Jock Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. He could play overhang apex. He could play linebacker. You can try him at safety. He's athletic and physical enough to do all those things, even though he's not even 220 pounds. And you have a lot of linebackers here. You bring in Anthony Walker. You still have Sayon Taki Taki, Malcolm Smith, Mal Wilson, Jacob Phillips, who they drafted at LSU in the third round last year. Also add Tony Fields out of the fifth round. I think there's just a lot of talent here for Joe Woods to get creative with. I mean, he is too first overall selections on his defensive line with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. You brought in Tack McKinley as well. You still have Andrew Billings. Malik Jackson now comes in to be on your defensive line. You draft Tommy Togiai, somebody I think can really get pressure on the quarterback on third down if you want to line him up as a one technique, and he's also a developmental guy. You get him in round three. I think those are excellent selections right there from the Cleveland Browns. And then Anthony Schwartz, he's just an incredibly athletic speedster out of Auburn, and we don't know the long-term stance with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on this team. And I think Schwartz is somebody who can step into the NFL right now, be one of the fastest guys, really help Baker Mayfield end this offense out. You can line him up in the slot. He can kind of steal a little bit of snaps from Rashad Higgins. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a totally different type of receiver, but I really think that down the line a little bit, you may look at Schwartz and be like, oh yes, he proved enough in year one to allow the Browns to feel comfortable possibly moving on from a Jarvis Landry or an Odell Beckham Jr. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. And then you also have Bill Callahan as your offensive line coach here with Alex Van Pelt as your offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, your offensive 
head coach and you bring in these developmental pieces who have a lot of upside, like a James Hudson, the offensive tackle out of Cincinnati, who did a really good job handling Aziz Ojolari in the first half of the bowl game in 2020 before he was, unfortunately, ejected from the game for a targeting penalty, and then Aziz just went off. But James Hudson, with that type of development, he could be a steal in the fourth round there. But there was a lot of defensive focus here rightfully so but then in that sixth round they go with Demetric Felton out of UCLA he's somebody who went down to the senior bowl and everybody was talking about him because he's a running back he's a wide receiver he's very versatile he's somebody who has really really quick agilities lateral ability lateral movement skills kind of has joystick type of tendencies about the way he moves so I think getting him in the sixth round is a low-key steal and if Kevin Stefanski wants to get creative enough if Felton shows that he has a chance to stick on this roster, he could be used creatively, especially if one of those running backs end up getting injured, more specifically to Kareem Hunt rather than Nick Chubb, who's a top running back in the league. But if Kareem Hunt ends up going down, I think Felton can jump on there and be that receiving type of back because I think he has a little bit more upside than someone like Dearness Johnson, who's still on that roster. So overall, I really liked what the Cleveland Browns were able to do in this draft. I think they have developmental upside with guys like Hudson and Togiai, and I think Togiai can be good even without that development. And then guys who just could be impact players on defense with Newsom and Jock, and then Schwartz, the wide receiver. So I really like this draft for the Cleveland Browns. But let's go over to the final team we're going to talk about in the AFC North on this podcast, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh selects Najee Harris in the first round at pick 24, running back out of Alabama. Pat Fryermuth in the second round, Penn State tight end. Kendrick Green in the third round, Illinois center. Two fourth round picks, Dan Moore Jr. and Buddy Johnson, both out of Texas A&M, an offensive tackle and an inside linebacker, respectively. Isaiah Loudermilk, Wisconsin defensive tackle in the fifth round. Sixth round, Quincy Roche, Miami outside linebacker. And then two seventh round picks, Trey Norwood, Oklahoma cornerback. And then Presley Harbin the third, Georgia Tech punter now the Pittsburgh Steelers have really focused on upgrading their defense I feel like every year they draft a defender in the first round but now they go three straight picks on the offensive side of the football one being a running back and Najee Harris I mean he's six foot one 232 pounds has similar traits to Le'Veon Bell not a lot of people have kind of made that comparison because they think of Le'Veon Bell as being a little bit smaller but when he came out of Michigan State Le'Veon Bell was a bit bigger and Najee Harris has those receiving skills he does have patience he's a very very physical runner I think that Pittsburgh wants to kind of emulate the offense of you know five ten years ago and and they did that through this draft by selecting Najee Harris, by getting Pat Fryermuth, who has similar tendencies to Heath Miller, might be a little bit more dynamic as a receiver, but can block, can hold up the point of attack. And Eric Ebron is in that role right now as the receiving tight end, but I think Pat Fryermuth will find his way onto the field in 12 personnel and also be a blocker, do the dirty work there. And then Kendrick Green, which reminds me of Pouncey a little bit. Not I, Pouncey was a better prospect coming out, but from everything I've seen of Kendrick Green, he's somebody who can slide in here and he could start on this offensive line now that Pouncey is gone. And they have J.C. Hosenwire, B.J. Finney as centers, but I think Kendrick Green can start on that side. You still have David Castro. You still have Kevin Dotson, who they got in the fourth round last year, who actually had a pretty solid year despite the fact that this offensive line was a wreck. But I think adding Kendrick Green just adds the beef to this defensive line, the beef that was needed, to be honest, just more competent players along this front because last year, 
if you remember, they couldn't establish the run. James Conner was painfully slow trying to get to the edge, and everything was on Ben Roethlisberger and this quick passing attack. So the entire defense just played up and knew that that was what was coming, and they didn't have the time to throw the football deep. And we saw the offense just crumble down the final five games of the season and then into the playoffs where they were just not a competitive team. They weren't a team that you thought was going to end up actually making a run. They were a team that was backing their way into the playoffs. So I look at that and I think they're just trying to replicate some of the the pieces that they've had in the past. Dan Moore Jr., that's a developmental offensive tackle that can kind of be groomed behind Jakuma Okorafor and Zach Banner, who is going to be the starting tackles right now. And both those guys aren't necessarily Zach Banner is had recovered from an injury, and then Okorafor is now going to be playing left tackle, has some experience on the right side, was a third-round pick back in 2018, and he's he has solid tape from everything that I've seen, but losing Alejandro Villanueva isn't going to be a great loss, especially since he went to the Ravens. Even though he had a down 2020 year, he was a stalwart for this offensive line for quite some time, and I think Quincy Roche in the sixth round is somebody who can kind of earn some snaps behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and may work into the rotation on third down and you were able to get him in the sixth round. I think that's also a solid addition. Overall, I don't love the Steelers draft. I see what they're trying to do. They needed help on the offensive side of the football. They already have a really solid defense with some all-pro type of guys and Minka Fitzpatrick and you're getting Devin Bush back. You have TJ Watt. And you were able to steal Tyson Alualu, who is a good player from Jacksonville, somebody that played for the Steelers last year and was going to go to Jacksonville. And then she was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to go back to the Steelers. He was able to come back. Still have Cam Hayward, Stephon Tewitt. Really, really tough up the middle and in the trenches there on the defensive side, but they had to focus on getting tougher and getting more effective and developing a rushing attack on the offensive side. So they were able to do that. Not in love with the draft, but I get it from their standpoint. Alrighty, everybody, this is Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I'm the host, Nick Filato. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Please check out all of our work over there at Big Blue View. Ed Valentine, Joe DeLeon, Chris Flum, and the gang are always putting out great content, and please subscribe and download all of these podcasts, and also leave us some reviews as well. If you think I'm terrible, leave some terrible reviews, but please make them five-star reviews, but you can trash me in the comments, but make them five-star reviews. That would be excellent. All right, everybody, thank you so much, and have a lovely day, and be safe. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.